Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for July 12th, 2020, Proper 10. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, Bruce, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I have caffeine and it's a sunny day looking out my steady window at home and it's a good day. Sunny and hot. (laughs) You notice I left off the hot when I said good day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be fine. For some (laughs) people, that's great. Some people, that's uh, ugh. Um, I'm just glad that we have shade trees. That's that's where, where I will be outside reading a book or whatever. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, boy, it, it sure has been hot, uh, here, uh, as of late, but, uh, um, yeah, a little bit of rain maybe cooled us down for a, hot, yeah. for a minute and, and now we're back to the summer that we know and love. Um, well, and the, and the big thing I always keep in mind is that with the rain and the heat, my tomatoes are growing very nicely. And so there you go. very soon I'll have awesome, uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches to eat. Looking forward to that myself yeah. as well. Probably a week or so. Ah, there you go. No, I'm I'm a couple of weeks behind you, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll eat it. I'll, I look forward to mine and eat eating one in your memory. Um, Thank you. Please <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, let me uh, let me transition over then to our word of the day. Uh, today's word is Whit Sunday. Oh, Pentecost. Hey, all right. <laughs> I wasn't sure uh, if the old English term would throw you off. Uh, I'm a long time Episcopalian. I, when I was a kid, how, how old are you, Bruce? <laughs> I was born in 1960, so at least everyone has to do math to figure this out. Um, so when I was a kid, that's how it read on the Sunday Bulletin. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then the um, some when I was a real little kid, I think it was even. The entire summer was the Sunday after Whit Sunday, but certainly the day of, hmm. it had to be labeled Whit Sunday, and that's what the old prayer book said. And yeah, that was the way to go. So love I love the archaic English terms in the Episcopal yeah. Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and one of the reasons why I picked this was because of uh, the the way the definition is worded is is kind of fun to me. It's not very long. Uh, and as you as you pointed out, it's a traditional English name for the Feast of Pentecost, um, as one might figure out from me saying it's an old English term. Um, it's uh, it's it's essentially White Sunday, but the way that the website words this definition, they say the term <laughs> they use this word is a corruption of. <laughs> White Sunday, as said in, in quotation marks. But um, what is also interesting, uh, so it's associated with the white robes of baptism, which are worn by newly baptized at a Pentecost service. But they take the extra step of pointing out that the liturgical color for the Feast of Pentecost is actually red. Yeah. So one of the things, the reason why I wanted to pick this uh, uh, term in particular is because that's the end of the definition. So my question is, why why white sunday why does the baptism element of the feast of pentecost um win the day as far as uh um um becoming the term uh by the traditional english i wonder um because if the feast of pentecost official color is red why mm-hmm. the focus on ba- on baptism instead of because baptism is not just for Pentecost as as, as you would, as you know, so um, one would think that the red dominant color uh, would be predominantly featured in the term, but it's not. Uh, they focus the the term focuses on the baptism aspect of the feast of Pentecost. So I was just kind of curious. I don't know if you have any information on that, yeah, but like the I do. definition stops there. So I found that kind of interesting. Well, one of the um, interesting things with the liturgical colors in uh, Christianity is that for, I'm trying to think how long, for about 1,300 years or so, mm-hmm. the liturgical colors were uh, regional rather than international as they are now. Oh, okay. So there were areas where 
different color. Well, the big one that people would have embraced lately, lately being the last 30 years, is um, blue for Advent instead of purple. Okay. Where, and that's at no time until recently was there any kind of agreement that blue is only for Advent. It would have been blue if you had blue for Advent, that same congregation would have blue for Lent. Uh, hmm. But uh, people in the uh, 1970s and 80s wanted to differentiate the two seasons more strongly and so saw that back in the Middle Ages in a part of England, blue was used for Advent and they sort of then cut off the historical records and said, okay, we'll use blue for Advent <laughs> and still use purple or a sort of tan color for Lent. But going back to Pentecost, there are two reasons, at least, for the liturgical color of white. One is Pentecost used to be, in a sense, much more focused on two things. One, the end conclusion, culmination of the Easter season, which is white. Oh. And the second, the what they used to tell us in Sunday school as the birthday of the church. And so that could be seen as a white feast. Hmm. Okay. Um, because Feast of Pentecost is when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles and they, for the first time, preached in various languages to people who were gathered in Jerusalem for various parts of the Roman Empire. So white, white there. But then there's a third reason that is most upsetting to liturgical zealots, and that is that there was almost universally a rubric or tradition, rubric being a liturgical instruction, that for the big feast days you wear whatever were the highest quality vestments the congregation owned, regardless of color. Huh. So a number of places had really great white Christmas sets of chasubles and church hangings and things. And so any big feast day was white in that congregation. Or they might have had really snazz, a really snazzy, snazzy green set. And they wear that on the big occasions, regardless of the um, traditional color. So that um, muddied the waters onto what was the quote-unquote correct color for a particular feast day or Sunday or season, uh, which, believe me, had a lot of time wasted over coffee during seminary years. <laughs> right. What is correct? <laughs> and and no matter what, no matter what, I'm sure uh, uh, we're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the biggest thing is, no matter what, it doesn't really matter. In terms yeah, it's not anyone's it's not the salvation. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't feed the poor. It doesn't. It will not be in question at the pearly gates. That's, right. Uh, that's fair. That's totally Why fair. Why did you wear white on Whitsunday? <laughs> I mean, Pentecost. Pentecost. I would normally have uh, let you enter, but right. for this one infraction, sadly, goodbye. Um, very good. Uh, well, uh, that was uh, that was actually more than I thought we'd get out of uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so much for a short summer session of Short right. to Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's move on to uh, let's move on to our readings here uh, for proper ten. Uh, the first one we're going to go with here is Isaiah, uh, Isaiah fifty five, verse ten through thirteen. Uh, so one of the shorter uh, Isaiah readings that we ever uh, that we ever have. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And instead 
and it shall be the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So uh, the, 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 the writer here in Isaiah is um, uh, um, talking a, a lot about, it's very poetic, and it's talking about um, uh, watering the earth, sowing seed, making bread. Um, uh, what is the, what's the author, like how does this poem fit into the author's story? What is the author talking about at this point in time in Isaiah? He's talking about the return of the Jewish people from enslavement in Babylonia, back going back to Jerusalem and the the surrounding countryside. Oh, that old story. That old story. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did, he, Isaiah does talk. The, the book does talk about that quite a, quite a bit. Um, yeah. That essentially, this whole setting of the very long book of Isaiah is. You're going to be enslaved. You're enslaved. Now you're being freed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of the dynamic here is trying to convince the people who were enslaved, which was not as bad as um, the enslavement, say, that the United States um, inflicted on people, but it was still a lack of um, complete personal autonomy. Mm. But people could have a decent life living that way. And Babylonia was not a very bad place to live. It was economically vibrant. It had good cultural life. Um, Even the lowest servant could have a pretty nice lifestyle. And so for the people who were now going to be able to return to Israel, they were sort of picturing, well, last time we saw the place was burning down. Mm. Um, So why would we return to ruins? when we, and we, and especially our children, could have a pretty good life here. And so part of what Isaiah has to do is convince people, yeah, I know it's a risk, but God's promising promising us that we'll have rain, and we'll we'll be able to grow our crops, and we'll we'll be able to live well if we return home, just as, as we're able to live well here. Interesting. Um, okay, so that's that's kind of the reason, especially in, in verse 13, that he's talking about uh, instead of thorn or briar, you're going to be seeing cypress trees and myrtle trees, uh, th- indications of, of, of life and uh, uh, healthiness and, and, and like a, the, the sign of like a good environment, not what you would right. find had it been taken over by, by the brush, essentially, is the imagery that he's bringing up. So, so this is his, uh, this is his, uh, his pep talk then to, to the people of, of saying like, no, 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 you know, don't mope about this. This is, uh, you know, (laughs) well, it's going to be good. (laughs) And as so many scriptures are both in the old and new Testament, this is a, do not be afraid passage. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to take this risk. You know, and, um, Leave what you know behind, because it will be good when you get there. Interesting, um, and and yeah, and so in verse twelve, there's kind of like this imagery of of the land being excited for their return. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Kind of a, some cool imagery there. Um, the the mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the fields shall clap their hands. They're they're waiting for you. You know, the, yeah, your old lands uh, where you're. You know, your forefathers um, had had taken up residence. It's still there. It's a, you know, it's it's just waiting for your return, which is kind of an interesting, uh, a, a dual kind of imagery for you know the modern reader would be, um, um, maybe a, maybe invoking the image of heaven then instead of uh, uh, um, of the original intent for you know yeah for, maybe for, so for Israel, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, still, still some 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 uh, some fun and beautiful language here. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of um, Native American spirituality, of mm-hmm. the very close tie to the land, and the sense of the land as being a a, a partner in life, right? Um, not just something that is utilitarian, but it, there actually is a spiritual connection, and that certainly is true in most, if not all, of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Anything else uh, about this Isaiah reading? Is the author, this is the second or third author? 
third. Third. This, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the, this is the, the homeward bound author. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, there are some Paul Simon uh, songs. <laughs> yes. Come, come to mind. Um, uh, I'm going to have a hard time shaking that now. Um, uh, but uh, so, so yeah, the, and this is uh, the, I, I don't remember how far the third author goes. Um, is it all about returning and, and not so much like after they have returned? It's pretty much returning and boy, things are really sweet now that you've returned. Mm. Um, the prophets that follow are the ones who say, "Hey, you're starting to screw up here." <laughs> oh, we've gotten, we've learned nothing. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, if there's a motto for humanity, uh, that sometimes should be it. Um, uh, no matter how much we've learned, we've learned nothing. Um, uh, any anything else uh, for Isaiah? Uh, we, we, we should probably cut it off now just okay. for the sake of time. But once again, it's worth right. reading from then, from Isaiah 55 to the roughly 10 chapters till it ends to get mm -hmm. the full context. Very good. Well, let's move on to our second reading. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeliness, sorry, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. Does the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his Spirit that dwells in you. Um, this is, uh, let me take a quick peek back. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, almost a direct, uh, if not direct, pickup and continuation uh, from the last the reading last week. Uh, right, maybe it's a couple a direct. Of verses. No, uh, it, it's one ends, the other begins. Uh, okay, all right, so it picks it right up. Um, and um, um, I trash talked Paul last week. I, I, <laughs> um, and, and this this one is much more. This this uh, reading is far more palatable. Uh, he doesn't, even though he does kind of continue that weaving uh, uh, thought pattern, uh, a thought pattern process on paper here. Um, it's not as tightly woven, or, or I guess I would have argued loosely woven <laughs> as the last one. Um, but it's kind of a continuation of the same thought of 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 you know the 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 body not being uh the, the 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 mortal concerns and the mortal way of living is 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 uh is not going to uh is not going to last it's just kind of pointing out that that this is it, it just it, it's here today gone tomorrow and what we're talking about here is a lot more eternal than that and and making something of this short mortal life uh that has value in meeting to God and and uh, and uh, can can allow you to go kind of beyond uh, your own station, as it were. I guess is kind of um, the the point. Is is there anything like for for those who have listened in weeks prior? Um, um, is there anything that differentiates what he's talking about now from like what he was kind of talking about last week? Because we were kind of um, discussing how he wrote specifically for, for the audience of the Romans and their right. and in their in their mentality uh, uh, towards life and death um, 
anything like what's the what's the change here for like someone somewhere someone decided that we we're gonna do a chapter split and say here's the start of a new chapter so what's the what's the new uh, idea there's not one <laughs> <laughs> chapter seven was going on long enough it's time for chapter eight yeah I, and yeah i'm not sure why at some point the chapter split was put here because it Paul clearly does not intend chapter seven and chapter eight to be separated from each other. This, cause this is the punchline to last week, which right. was relatively doom and gloom. And then this is the good news part. Right. 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 So, yeah. yeah so, so this is supposed to be a continuation. It's not supposed to be a separate thought. And, uh, chapter seven is not supposed to be left hanging with that. <laughs> kind of with that whole I can't do what I want to do mm -hmm. the thought. Yes, I, yeah. I, 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 again, uh, my opinion because he uses so many words. Sometimes, especially for our short attention spans, uh, it, maybe it just doesn't land the way that it used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, that is kind of the difference. Is last week he's talking about you know your your our our body is mortal. It's inherently sinful. Uh, you know, in a way I have no control over it. Uh, and, um, um, to it, and the, the way of living that life is just a guarantee for, you know, of sin and death. And this kind of, in a way reiterates it here at the beginning, but then it does have that turn of like, uh, right there in verse nine, but you're not in the flesh. So, yeah. you know, what we're, you know, I've, painted this like you said this doom and gloom scene uh of like there's no hope you don't have any control and it's not good uh, uh th this way of living but here's the you know but that's not who you are you're not actually in the flesh you're in the spirit and the spirit everything that i've said that you know the counterweight to all that doom and gloom that's actually what you're created from. That's what your, your, uh, your intended purpose is, is being a part of the spirit and, having, right. you know, having a higher calling and, and having, having a life, uh, outside of sin. Yeah. And one thing to, to really note as well, that backs up what you're saying is that the very first verse of chapter eight. So right after the, Oh my, things oh, yeah. are really bad is, there is therefore now no con condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as a Greek philosopher would do, he sort of, Paul sets up this um, almost cliffhanger of, mm -hmm. I can't do what I want to do. And the, all my inner inclinations seem to take me towards being apart from God. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. And then here's the punchline. Oh, but in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Right. And then people go, wait, what? <laughs> and then start to listen to this um, explanation <laughs> mm -hmm. of um, in, in God, through Christ, we are freed from that nature of humanity of being selfish. And now instead, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we can live lives of love and generosity and faithfulness to God. Right. Yeah, he he kind of sets up the the in a way it, it seems to me like the 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 main thrust of of his argument is is look here the checklist you know for this way of living is pretty easy it, right. like it's it's not a very high hurdle um, he he identifies that uh, this inherent connection to uh, Jesus Christ and the spirit of 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 life as as he puts it is already built into you. Mm -hmm. Essentially, all you have to do is recognize that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that's it. That's the, that's the hurdle. <laughs> yeah. And what I picture sometimes is the old cartoon technique. I mean, old cartoon technique, like from the 1940s, where you know, Bugs Bunny has an angel sitting on one shoulder and mm -hmm. a little demon sitting on the other shoulder and they're, speaking into their respective ears, giving different advice. And it's, and that's actually not a bad summary of what Paul's trying to explain here is that it's almost mm. comical the way that 
humans, in a sense, take themselves so seriously when really all you got to do is listen to the voice of God, which God has already placed within you. Right, right. Uh, but we tend to be very dramatic and, oh, the devil made me do it, or, oh, I just can't help myself. Uh, uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can. You don't have to climb a mountain to, to find God. You don't have to take a 60-day fast. You can just listen to the proper shoulder. And wow, right there. Actually, it's even easier that because the Spirit of God's within us. It's not even outside of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even an external force. Um, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, it's built in. Uh, which is which is uh, which is interesting. Um, um, uh, it'd be it's not specifically contained in here in the in in this uh, short uh, portion of a writing from Paul. Um, but I would be very curious to go back and see from Paul's writing. Does he then add to these hurdles, or is he is this is 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 Romans basically a writing that uh, is like the introductory level to <laughs> to, to <laughs> early Christianity? And uh, and once once he uh, once he gets his uh, quote unquote hooks in you, uh, that then that's when he starts rolling out and like oh now you have to do but you also have to do this and you also have to do this and you also <laughs> like does he add to the hurdle? Does he kind of like raise it up uh, any higher? Uh, as you go, uh, or is that really his uh, his philosophy all the way through all his, all of his writings? Pretty much, I mean, pretty much, it's besides an occasional really you, you should be doing this um, that's stated more as a personal opinion than the word of God. Um, he he's pretty he gets actually stronger and stronger on the idea the concept of grace. And that it's accept, it's accessible to all, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the most powerful force in a human being's life, and we just have to um, listen to it. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's very strong on don't make anyone get, don't let anyone make you get circumcised. Don't let anyone tell you you gotta. Um, abstain from certain foods it's listen to this spirit of god within you listen to the holy spirit within you is the the spirit of christ jesus within you that's the refrain that comes through his uh, legitimate letters that's actually one of those pieces that sometimes we can tell what letters were written in honor of his name rather than by him because they do start to slip into the you got to do this you got to do that mm -hmm. Um, technique, which is really all it is. It's not. It, it's either poor theology or limited use technique advice, and hmm. um, I think the the latter is the more generous view of it. Yeah, I, it it really um, does drive kind of home that point of a gift freely given. Um, yeah, um, and uh, th that is that is one that's one thing then that uh, that I do. Uh, the respect out of Paul is that he he doesn't he definitely doesn't go uh, backwards in in uh, his theology of like no we really should go back and honor the thousand plus uh, some of the thousand plus laws that were <laughs> that were right. on the books he, uh, he doesn't expressly come out and say like we need to throw them all away but he also doesn't hold them up as as you know necessary anymore he doesn't bring them to the forefront of any of his arguments. Right. And I'm glad you said that because one thing that I pointed out last week, but I think bears repeating is that in Romans and in these, in chapter seven, chapter eight, when he's talking about the law, he's not talking about the Torah. He's not right. talking about scripture. He's instead talking about human nature that again, in a way a Roman would understand hmm. that the, just the way things are is, we want to be our, the way things are is we are selfish people. Right. But also the way things are is the Holy spirit dwells within us. And that's even stronger condition law than the condition of selfishness. Mm -hmm. And so a Roman would go, Oh, okay. That's a very interesting way of seeing the, the facts of life, the way things are. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't trying to be in conversation at all. 
with the various rules and regulations of the Hebrew scriptures. Hmm. And in fact, they would have cared about that. (laughs) Yeah. And even the, the prophets who are commentating within the Hebrew scriptures about the Torah repeatedly go back to basically Paul's theology, that God is dwelling within you. And what these various practices do is help you recognize that in your everyday life. Even Mm. when you're feeling lazy, you know, oh yeah, I have to pray this way, or I really shouldn't eat that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because God loves me so much, and I'm called to live a life of love. Right, right, right. Um, I don't. I think we should move on then from uh, Romans. Let's hop over sure. to Matthew, unless you had something else. No, no, no. We're okay. good. Uh, Matthew chapter thirteen, verse one through nine, and then eighteen through twenty-three. So you already know one question that I will ask. <laughs> Uh, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they have no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Listen, anyone with ears, listen. Or, sorry, let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart, that is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, uh, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choked the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So, what did we skip here from Matthew? It's, It's a passage that is often titled in Bible translations, Jesus speaking on parables, as that is, why are you speaking in parables, Jesus? Mm. Um, So it's a whole different topic than the actual parable. Gotcha. So I, I have to admit, I don't know if in this liturgical year we get to return to why is Jesus speaking in parables or not. Um, but it's, makes sense to have a parable of the sower and then Jesus's words on the interpretation of the right. sower um, rather than separating those by Sunday or something. Yeah, it, it, it is It is interesting that there is a gap there. One would think that as, as you write, you would say, you tell the story and then the interpretation of the story. Why would there be a middle <laughs> to it? Yeah, and what's interesting about that is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three Gospels, all have that complete set in that order of the parable of the sower and then the 12 asking Jesus, why are you talking in parables? And then Jesus explaining why, and then giving the interpretation of the sower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a... Um, in this parable, there's there's a this is a fairly uh, well known one, um, uh, one right. of the better ones, uh, well known ones, um, and um, there's there's in a way there's a little bit of a, a, a discomfort that I think is worth addressing, in that um, the parable um, talks about individuals in such a way that um, you know. On at least on first blush, uh, the um, the the they're compared. These individuals are compared to uh, 
um, uh, thorns or bad soil. But as you kind of read through it, I think it's fair to, to, to point out that as, as you kind of read through it, it's not really that they're, you know, Jesus is saying that these people are, you know, have no root and, and are, are worthless or that, uh, you know, they're, um, they're, they're thorny people and, and choke out what's good. <laughs> it's not really what he's saying. Um, uh, or at least I don't think so. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's what okay. he's really saying. <laughs> but I think sometimes that's, I've heard, uh, uh, plenty of sermons before where that is kind of the parallel that gets, gets drawn is that, Oh, some people just are, you know, aren't good. And that's, that's what happens. Some are just, you know, the, 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 you know, have no roots. Some, uh, choke out what's good in this world. Some are, um, um, some are basically like a barren path or, or I've even heard uh, a couple of comparisons that, uh, put people into the birds portion of the story. Um, but there it's not so much it's it's all soil right so it's just there the the people are the soil and the seeds are or what is or what is sown is the you know the word right of of that he's he's bringing to everybody and circumstances are what 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 make these uh these examples different i think is is at least my interpretation that's that's pretty good yeah um and one things that we make big mistakes about repeatedly with jesus's words is that a parable is not the same as an analogy mm -hmm. and all too often this is a great example of one People turn it into an analogy to make to, to dumb it down, frankly, and it's much a parable is much more complex than simply okay. People who stop going to church are this kind of seed. Um, that's that's just a, a grotesque simplification yeah. of Jesus trying to get us to to us today and the listeners back then to stop and really ponder. What does it mean to be walking with Christ? Uh, right. Uh, and it's, yeah, so it's not a simple, it's not supposed to be a simple analogy. And certainly you're not supposed to be able to point your finger at someone else and say, ah, that's one of those birds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed to be to transform how we see the world more than teach us a truth that can be on the final. Mm-hmm. Mm it's supposed to open our hearts. It's supposed to open our minds and therefore begin to see how God interacts with the world often in a way we totally don't expect, particularly if we have never heard the loving about the loving nature of God. Mm -hmm. That's, it's totally different than we probably expect from if, if the only theology we get is from the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies, then <laughs> we're really not going to grasp the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and God loving each and every one of us and uh, looking out for all of us. Right, right. Um, I know yeah, you said... Because I, I just got to add one more thing. Because sure. otherwise, what Matthew, if this is an analogy, we just got to ask, why didn't the sower have a scarecrow? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not a modern technology. <laughs> well, um, it, because in, in a way, because scripture is, uh, very much like art, uh, that, um, there's oftentimes it's just, it's intense. It's main intention is to challenge the viewer or right. listener or reader to, uh, interpret these words in a way themselves. Um, analogies are, 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 are gonna just simply come uh and, and have plenty of time you know for for eons now um uh, has come with reading um uh the the gospel readings and the different books of the bible um so 
one of the analogous uh, approaches, which I think is interesting, at least to me, is if if you're if you're forced to think about it this way, one of the things that I that that jumps out is I think that we're the sower. Actually, is is the is 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 a way to to view this uh, mm-hmm. because the point is um, look the, the the farmer doesn't in the story it doesn't say the farmer carefully handpicks where the seeds go right and. Uh, avoids the path and avoids where the sun uh, scorches uh, and avoids where the thorns are. And if you've ever seen, you know, uh, imagery of, you know, farmers at that, during that period of time, it was, land wasn't as quite as carefully cultivated um, because there wasn't, we didn't have uh, technology and um, um, genetically modified organisms and, and things that like, oh, it's specifically supposed to go this deep and, go, you know, yeah. and, and, and be planted at this period of time. You had a giant sack and you reached in and you just scattered, <laughs> right? Like that's the imagery from. Well, that's the imagery from this parable. Wasn't that, wasn't that also part, like I've seen paintings and things like that of like, you know. Uh, but even... That's because they're making it an analogy. Oh, okay. Okay. See, because part of the original listeners would have said, wait, that's not how people... Seed is way too expensive. Is it? Way too precious to be thrown on a path. See, I'll say... So so the the artwork that I've seen has specifically had religious meanings behind it, and I didn't realize it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the religious meaning being, I don't know this stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Ignore this painting. Uh, but yeah, that that's one of those signals to the original listeners that this is not going to be a literal analogy because it right. it starts with a unreal a, a completely fictional scenario. Okay, so then I had that completely wrong. I there I, I get to correct something in my uh, yeah in my and, brain. And, and so many you know I I can picture the what I call the Sunday school watercolors from the 1950s that were still hanging around when I was in Sunday school 20 years later. Uh, yeah. Of a guy with a big sack and a long beard throwing, <laughs> throwing seed <laughs> like he was a drunk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just everywhere. Seed yeah. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it, in fact, it would have been done extremely carefully with mm. each, um, at least group of seeds being very carefully planted because, again, they were precious, they were expensive, um, very difficult to replace if you messed up. Um, you know, there was not a loan from the uh, local bank to buy more seed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that was one of those um, huge flashing lights. The listener was saying, "Okay, this this is not a real life story." <laughs> right. But 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 yeah, as you, but also as you pointed out, another one of those uh, countercultural yeah uh, um, methods of, of Jesus of saying, "Hey, look, you know how you're okay." Well, I'm I'm shifting gears mentally as I've clearly been wrong for a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, see how you you know how you plant very carefully, and as you pointed out, the the, the you know this is this material is precious and expensive, and you have to be careful with it. That's not how the word of God works. Right. You don't carefully uh, uh, plant it in a select group of people. This is for everybody. Exactly. And, but, and it's not always going to bear fruit, but the, you know, as, as a, a sower of, of, uh, of God, uh, it's really not up to you. What happens with the seed? Right. Um, that you're, you know, that you sh- the, the whole point is that you you share it and some will bring you know a a a, a ton of product and others it'll it was a good try and maybe it just doesn't work um but that's not that's not a, any fault of of you the sower right um you're supposed to share don't, this and give this freely yeah don't become discouraged <clears throat> right. um and and in that way it continues to be extremely helpful because many people, when sharing their their faith with someone else, um, 
you know, the, it'll be like this. It'll be like this description of doesn't seem to really catch or um, the person is enthusiastic during the conversation and then still goes off and lives a very selfish life. Or to drop down to the punchline, where that person becomes even more faithful than mm -hmm. oneself, and the harvest is multiplied um, a hundredfold. Right. Uh, so it. In, I mean, I'm I'm making it an analogy in that way, and regret doing so. But talking about parables really is more of a meditative exercise than an explanatory exercise. Yeah. So, you know, right now I should ring a bell and say, okay, everyone ponder this for three minutes. When I ring the bell, <laughs> start listening again. But that doesn't work for a podcast usually. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, one of the things I'm struck uh, struck by that, yeah, if, if, the, if the intention was uh, to say you're responsible with for, for how your message is received, the parable would go something more to the tune of like, what a, you know, what a wasteful and faithless servant this sower is. Yeah. Uh, what, how, you know, how callously he spreads uh, this precious gift uh, 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 on the ground and um, um, worthlessly throws it into thorns. And, you know, so um, it, at least, as I as I ponder it, uh, um, that that's kind of you know th this is this is giving us uh, kind of lifting a burden off of our shoulders. Oh yeah, think about definitely. It. Like, look, this is not you know you're not I'm not going to hold this is this isn't something I'm going to score for you. Yeah. You know, like, well, Johnny over there, Johnny Appleseed was a lot better at this uh, yeah. than you were, uh, and his growth rate was it just you know beats the crap out of what you've been doing. So. Uh, sorry, um, but uh, it it does kind of lift the, the burden off of our shoulders. Of it, look, it doesn't matter uh, to me whether or not, um, and in a way, would kind of start to fly in the face of some of the more uh, modern concepts that we have of, of um, um, outreach and and conversion and right and, and like you know. The, the value only being in how many lives you, you know, how many souls you save. Um, this parable is kind of saying like, that's not how I, that's not how the scoreboard works in this game. Yeah. It's, I was on a, some years ago, I was on a retreat with a number of um, clergy and lay leaders from various denominations, most of them much more conservative Christian denominations in the Episcopal church. And once the uh, trust level grew, what the stories coming out of these folks were tr they were truly asking what does it mean when we're not having any baptisms over a certain amount of time as in what does it mean when we're not producing converts mm -hmm. and a couple of them said yeah I, you know i know that i have elders in my congregation who get rebaptized just to up our numbers so mm. that when someone asks we can say oh yeah we did 18 this past whatever period of time it is but i know that really 16 of those were ringers hmm. uh, and because of this pressure that a misinterpretation of this parable gives that if you're not doing a hundredfold there's something wrong with you right you're not really loving christ enough and that's that's not the point the point is the loads off our shoulders feel you know have freedom to fail to use a common current cliche yeah um and Keep tossing seed wildly. Yeah. Well, I should end it on that. Freedom to fail is like our my motto uh, for <laughs> most of the things that I do uh, uh, for the uh, in and around the church. So, uh, oh. <laughs> hey, 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 no judgment. I, I have. I, Jesus tells me I have the freedom to fail. You uh, do. So it doesn't. And thank doesn't God. Matter. So do I. <laughs> but I'm just saying you're very effective too. But I, th I think, in all honesty, and and seriousness i think any human but i'm talking about christians of course um in this context any christian who feels free to fail is much much more likely to be more faithful and productive than one who is trying to um, maintain a high score on the scoreboard right yeah yeah that that uh 
I, I have, I, I, I should, should say that, uh, I've lived both sides of that coin. Um, and I, I'm much happier, uh, being on <laughs> the side right. where I'm okay with, with, uh, trying things and it not working out. Uh, and that's, that's quite okay by me. Yeah. Um, it, it's on God's shoulders, not ours. Right. Um, so, um, I suppose with that, I think we'll end. Uh huh. Uh, maybe join us next week as we uh, reach back into that deep bag full of seed and scatter uh, <laughs> something, Nicely said. Yeah. Something, something across the airwaves here. Um, Good transition. <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end this year podcast for July 12th, uh, 2020, Proper 10. Um, feel, please uh, feel free to join us uh, with our online services as those uh, obviously continue. Uh, you can visit our website at hfec.org, uh, and our YouTube channel is HFEC Videos uh, on YouTube. That's all smashed together, all one word. Um, and uh, get, we've got a ton of content out there. Uh, if you've missed any weeks prior, uh, plenty of uh, opportunities to, to go back and watch any of those. Um, and hey, a little teaser is you can see one of my two model railroads on this past window to worship video on the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted that video to keep on going. I wanted to see how the rest of the track worked. Um, <laughs> see if it always leave them wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do like model railroads. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, um, uh, that was, that was a fun little window to worship. Uh, and, 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 as always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, either for the podcast or for uh, the, the the worship, you could feel free to email us at eight or sorry shortcut at hfec.org, uh, and we'd be we'd love to hear from you. So, um, with that, um, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. Bye.